The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening to us on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can download the Radio Lex app on your smartphone device to listen to us anywhere in the entire world. You can also stream the show live on the web at radiolex.us. Amber Turner and I are both broadcasting from the Deborah Hensley Studios here at Radio Lex on North Limestone. It is October the 6th, 2022, 401 to be exact. October, Amber, is my favorite month of the year. Did you know that? I did know that. It's my favorite. One of my favorite holidays is in this month, Halloween. I've started to decorate a little bit for Halloween. Are you a fan of decorating for Halloween? Oh, you know I am. How many times has my Michael Myers scared you? A lot. She, folks, she's got this Michael Myers sticker in her window, and every time I pull up into her driveway, I'm like, whoa. I mean, I literally was the only one in the house, and I was like, whoa, who's in my house? I hate the fact that people on my street aren't decorating like they should be for yeah. Halloween. It makes me irritated. Well, now, what all did you get put out? I got a few signs. Yeah. got a few keep out yeah. signs. I got, okay. a few, I got another sign that says my neighbor's got the best candy. So <laughs> I've got all of these signs that are pointing my neighbors in another direction. Yeah, like or, don't come here. Yeah, or pointing the kids in another direction on yeah. Halloween. No, no candy here. But we will talk about Halloween probably a lot this month because it is the month of October. My favorite month. Amber, it is the 10th month of the calendar year. There's 31 days in this month. The birthstones for October, Mm -hmm. if you're wondering, is opal and pink tourmaline. Oh. Yes, ma'am. And the October birth flower is cosmos and marigolds. Oh, I love marigolds. The astrology zodiac signs of October... Libra and Scorpio. Libra is September 23rd to October 22nd. Scorpio is October 23rd to November the 22nd. Mm-hmm. A lot of holidays in this month of October, not just Halloween like people think. There's International Coffee Day. Okay. That's in October. It's already passed. It was oh, on no. October the 1st. We can still celebrate it, we? Can't can. We? I celebrate it every day. Yeah. There's National Golf Lovers Day. Oh, that's, that's you. October the 4th. National Taco Day is also October the 4th. All also, on October the 4th, is Cinnamon Roll Day, International Ships in, Bottle, Ships in Bottles Day is October 4th, National Walk and Bike to School Day is October the 5th. Okay, now we're finally on the days that we haven't been to yet. On October the 7th, World Smile Day. Okay. Give somebody a smile. Well, now, we watched that movie Smile. That kind of smile or don't just go, normal? Don't go see the movie Smile. <laughs> No, that was bad. You want your money back for that one? I would love it. (laughs) It had so much potential. The movie Smile did. And I love the concept. There is something freaky about people staring at you smiling. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. But the movie sucked. But speaking of the promotion of that movie, did you see the kind of promotion that they're doing for that movie? Yes. They're paying people to go to public places, and they're paying them to stand there and do nothing but smile real big. Oh, I don't think that's good marketing. I don't know. 
to uh, me, to me, it's kind of freaky. So it makes people curious. Well, I mean, your movie's got to be good if you're gonna have that kind of marketing, and people are gonna go watch this, and it's not gonna deliver. So I don't know. Word of mouth is the most important, but at least the curiosity is at least gonna put enough butts in the seat. For, oh, it, yeah. for them to maybe make a sequel. Oh, don't wish that on us. World Octopus Day is October the 8th is World Octopus Day. Uh, I Love Yarn Day is October the 8th. <laughs> Christopher Columbus Day is October the 10th. National Apple Day is October 21st. National Pumpkin Day is October the 26th. Hey. National Candy Corn Day uh-huh. is October 30th. Who in the heck likes candy corn? Me! For real? Yes. You're being real. I'm being so serious with you. And then, of course, Halloween is October the 31st. Uh, floating holidays are monthly celebrations on this in this month. You've got uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yeah. Very important to always bring awareness to that. I think of all the cancers in the world, yeah. I think that no other cancer has a, has as much awareness as breast cancer. Absolutely. I mean, and, and you got to thank the people behind that organization for that. Is it Susan Corman? Probably. I think so. That's right. And she, I'm assuming that, did she survive breast cancer or did she die from breast cancer? I have no clue. But she has made it aware. One of the most aware cancers that's yeah. out there because of her. There is National Book Month yeah, okay. on on in October. In October, you also have uh, National Pizza Month, World Space Week, National Popcorn Poppin' Month. Okay. Yeah. National Dessert Month. National Cookie Month, and what? finally, National Origami Month. So we have cookie and cake all in the same month? Yes. Oh, my goodness. What a month. See, I told you it's my favorite See, month. See, October 4th is the best day. It's taco day. And then look at everything we have after that. I told you it's my favorite month. You've got all the coffee. You've, uh-huh. got, you've got all these crazy holidays. I love it. You want some interesting facts about October? Let's hear them. The name October got its name from the Latin word octo, which means eight. This is based on the early Roman calendar. The World Series of Baseball begins in October. Okay. My Reds will not be there. Oh, well. It would be fantastic to see a World Series featuring the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the New York Yankees. Yeah. That is a, that would be such an American game. <laughs> Baseball, New York versus LA, West versus East. I don't know when the last time that was played, but that's a possibility it could happen this year. Okay. The Reds just lost their 100th game. Like straight or but just in general? In general, that is embarrassing. Yeah. Embarrassing. They are the laughing stock of the league. Uh and I say that as a fan, but I, I will enjoy it so much more when they one day get good. <laughs> so all of you Braves fans out there that were Reds fans just three weeks ago, just know that I'm going to remember you. <laughs> more United States, Amber, more United States presidents have been born in October more than any other month. Wow. U.S. presidents include Jimmy Carter, was who was born on October 1st. He's got to be like 97, mm-hmm. 98. Ruthford B. Hayes, October 4th. Chester A. Arthur, born October 5th. Dwight Eisenhower, October 14th. Theodore Roosevelt, October 27th. And John Adams, October the 30th. Like September's harvest moon, October's full moon is known as the hunter's moon. October's full moon, known as the hunter's moon, arrives on Sunday, October the 9th, which is next week. Oh, yeah. So get ready for that. Yosemite National Park is created by United States Congress on October 1st. 
1890 it was created, excuse me. The Soviet Union launches the Sputnik first probe into orbit on October the 4th, 1957. <laughs> On a leap year, October 31st falls on the same day of the week as February the 29th. In a common year, in common years, it falls on the same day of the week as February the 28th. Hmm. Some celebrities whose birthdays are in October include Matt Damon, okay. Hugh Jackman, Bruno Mars, Gwen Stefani, and Julia Roberts. And then finally, the owl is the bird. Of the month of October. Ooh. So that is some October facts for your day. Those are some good ones. Those are some good ones. And I wonder, what is your favorite month? Put it on the show thread. Amber, what is your favorite month? I'm going to say October. October? How could it not be? Cookies and Taco Day. And Halloween. And Halloween. And Candy Corn Day. I still don't (laughs) know how you eat candy corn, but... All is good. It's going to be a good show, ladies and gentlemen. We are just getting started. It is 4.08 p.m., so stick with us. We'll be right back after these words. Everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. What you are hearing is the cartoon instrumental theme song from Doug. There's something to be said for how well this theme song is. It fits the main character of the show. There's nothing threatening or off-putting about this theme. It's just pleasant, just like its main character, Doug. I don't know if you guys have figured it out yet, but we've been having a little bit of a theme on Off the Cuff as of late. We have discussed the best TV sitcom themes throughout time. We've discussed the best movie scores of all time. We've discussed the best movie original songs of all time. We've discussed the best soap opera themes of all time. Last week on the show, we discussed the best cartoon theme songs of all time. But Amber, we haven't talked about the best cartoon instrumental theme songs throughout time. And that's what I want to talk about today on the show. And we will start with this little gem, Doug, who, in my opinion, had a great instrumental theme song, No Words Needed. Now, instrumental means no words. So the following list that I will be playing for the audience is a list of cartoon theme songs throughout time that's solely instrumental. No words. We talked about that last week. Are you ready for this? Oh, absolutely. We'll start with Doug, which premiered in 1991. Did you ever watch Doug? Were you a Doug fan? Oh, you know I was. Usually I like to skip through. I like to skip through intros. Doug is not an intro that I skip through. Just pleasant. 
I think my favorite part's when Roger's breakdown happens, though. That's when you know there is a mean dude on this show. Let's see if we can get to it. <laughs> right here. There you go. You know Roger's going to be bad to the bone. Oh, yeah. So we'll start off the list with Doug. Now, coming up next on the list of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs of all time, we've got to put this one on the list. This is Rugrats, which premiered in 1990. This was a cartoon which also didn't need words. It was just this music playing as the kids would be kids and babies in the background. (laughs) It's kind of falling all over the place. And it has went down as one of the most iconic instrumental theme songs of all time. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Do you have a favorite Rugrat episode? Oh, goodness. Uh, Isn't there one where um, Angelica, it's her birthday, and she thinks her parents have forgotten or something? So I feel like somebody had a birthday they thought forgotten. Right. I see what you mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's something like that. Probably so. Yeah. Angelica was always one of the best ones. Without her, the show couldn't have made it. It needed. You needed a mean kid on the show. Every good kid show has to have a mean one. Right. Like you yeah. talked about Roger being Doug's nemesis. Angelica was the baby's nemesis. <laughs> but a great show. That is Rugrats. I'm telling you, Rugrats, for its time, Rugrats really took the world by storm. Everybody watched Rugrats. Well, don't you remember, didn't they even put it in a rap song in the late 90s, the Rugrats theme song, wasn't it? Like Blackstreet and Maya. Are you serious? The Take Take You There, I think, was the name of the song. Really? Remember they came out with that movie and all that? Yes, yes, I do remember that. Yeah. That that was interesting. It was a good one. And then they came out with the movie, and I don't think it was as successful as the TV show. All I know is, you know, the Reptar bars Mm -hmm. that were in the show, you know, I found those. Right. I I think I've given you a few of those. Those were the best candy. I think that might be my favorite thing to come out of the Rugrats was the Reptar Bars. All right, coming up next on the list as one of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs throughout time, you got to put this one on the list. This is King of the Hill, an adult animated cartoon, much like its predecessors, Family Guy, South Park. King of the Hill was one of its first of its kind to be an adult cartoon. You know, you had The Simpsons, but King of the Hill felt more adultish because The Simpsons are not really human beings. Yeah. Family Guy are, that shows, they don't really, it's very cartoonish, but King of the Hill was very, it was like they took real human beings and made them into cartoon form. <laughs> yes, the All topics they, they covered. And the topics that they covered. In this intro, they played this instrumental as Bobby and all of his friends would... Is that his name, Hank? Hank. Hank would yeah. stand by uh, the fence with all of his friends and drink beer yep. as the world just passed them by. <laughs> and they never did anything but drink beer together. <laughs> 
what it is about instrumental theme songs that make the producer say, you know what? Let's not put any words for our theme. Let's just have music. What goes behind that decision? What makes them think it would even be a good idea not to include words? But for some reason, it worked. All right, coming in next on the list as one of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs throughout time is... This is the sound of a good Saturday morning. This is the theme of the Looney Tunes. And we had a whole episode on talking about Looney Tunes. We talked about the voice behind all those Looney Tunes. We talked about some of the most iconic Looney Tune characters. But you can't forget this iconic Looney Tune music. Did you know that the Looney Tunes didn't keep this theme throughout their entire run? Oh. They changed it. Yeah. They changed it to this theme right here, which to me is just as good. Now, to me... That just sounds just as loony as the first one. Yes. They're both loony, and it both works. And you get excited for what's going to come on next. Mm Mm-hmm. Looney Tunes ran from 1930 to 1969. You don't see it on TV as much as what you think you would. A lot of Looney Tunes have the reputation of being somewhat out of touch. Mm Mm-hmm. Some... Looney Tunes might even be considered racist because a lot of their episodes featured a lot of racism in it. They did. And as kids, they were overlooked because kids don't really know what racism is. No, it went over our heads. It goes over your head, and when you go back and watch these things, you're like... That's not appropriate. That's not appropriate. (laughs) But you cannot escape the fact that they had iconic music. Oh, no. Here is another cartoon that's going to make the list as one of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs throughout time. But it's not a Looney Tune. And a lot of people mistake this as a Looney Tune cartoon, but it is not. Can you guess that theme? Your guess is... (laughs) No guess. Folks, this is the theme song from the Tom and Jerry Show. One of the most iconic cartoons of all time, the cat and mouse chase of Tom and Jerry. I love that show. Tom was my dude. He was funny. He was hilarious. And he... I don't even know if he really wanted to kill Jerry. I think it was just the fact of wanting to catch him. Well, I 
think it was just they had fun. They were playing with each other. They couldn't live without one another. No. If something happened to Jerry, Tom would go into depression. If something happened to Tom, <laughs> who's Jerry going to run from? Exactly. They really did care for each other. What was interesting about this cartoon was it didn't have any dialogue. It didn't, did it? The cat never talked. The mouse never talked. The only time you would ever really hear dialogue in this cartoon is when Granny would leave the house and she would tell Tom to be good Mm -hmm. or something like that. And Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird 2. Yeah. Which was a whole other cartoon than Tom and Jerry. It was. (laughs) I think sometimes they would team up. Yes. And merge. But uh, iconic cartoon with Tom and Jerry. Coming in next on the list as one of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs of all time goes to... If you had any coolness in the 1990s, you know what this is. This is the theme song from Beavis and Butthead. Now, you wouldn't give me one, I know. (laughs) Now, this was MTV's first animated cartoon. Yes. Very adult. Very. Very adult-themed. Beavis and Butthead were just two idiots that sat on their couch, watched MTV, watched music, and talked about it. But they were so enduring as characters. Who is your favorite, Beavis or Butthead? Um, probably going to be Beavis. Beavis was probably more of the star. He was kind of the, the leader of the two. Yeah. He definitely had a better name than <laughs> Butthead. <laughs> I'm surprised they've never tried to reboot this show. Would it work in today's society? Um, Probably not. I mean, we got the movie Beavis and Butthead to America, and I think that was a good closing for them. I think if they brought it back now, it would... Whew. All right, coming in next on the list of one of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs throughout time, and I'm going to put this on the list just because. I know, ladies and gentlemen, it was a movie. I know that it was an original movie score, but we skipped it and we left it off of that list. So, you know what? It was made into a cartoon. It was made into a cartoon, so I'm going to put it on this list. The Pink Panther cartoon. This theme is so jazzy and cool. It was composed by the movie score legend and multiple Academy Award winner Henry Monarchy. The original Pink Panther theme was soulful, mysterious, and could easily have complemented a series drama rather than a comedy. When it was used for the Pink Panther TV show cartoon in the the late 1960s, it immediately became one of the best TV show themes ever made. Wow. was just interesting to watch. It was just interesting to watch the intro. If you missed the whole episode, it didn't matter as long as you saw the intro. (laughs) 
There were so many others that we did not play that we could have. The Simpsons. The reason I didn't play The Simpsons is because I already added that in on another episode of ours. But The Simpsons had no words. Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> Can you think of any that I left off? Oh my goodness. No, the only two I came prepared with was Doug and the Rugrats, but I think that's everybody. <laughs> and we popped them off right at the top. Well, you know, the only thing I, I recognized in this list is, you know, Mike Judge made it twice. He was the producer of Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill. That makes a lot of sense. I did not know that the same guy who did Beavis and Butthead did King of the Hill. He did King of the Hill. Makes a lot of sense. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Mike Judge. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, Mike Judge. Very interesting. Well, a brilliant man. Probably the Seth MacFarlane of the 1990s. who also has some cartoons made that don't have uh, words to it. I don't think that American Dad has words to its uh, cartoon. I don't think that the Rick and Morty cartoon has words to it. See, I ain't watched it. But I've never watched those. So I can't put a show that I've never watched on the list because this is, at the end of the day, in my opinion. Exactly. So I, I couldn't put it as one of the greatest. Well, you can't talk about something that you ain't got a lot of knowledge about, and if you ain't watched it, you don't know much about it. Exactly. But ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed that, and I hope that you enjoyed what we have been doing with the themes, the best cartoon themes, movie themes, and all the instrumental themes that go along with them. But that, ladies and gentlemen, was just a list of some of the best cartoon instrumental theme songs throughout time. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take another quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. All right, it's time to talk about it. I'm sure everyone listening, if they plan on watching it, they've already watched it. And if they've not watched it yet, that means that they're probably not going to. Exactly. We're going to talk about the Jeffrey Dahmer story, the Netflix miniseries that has been sweeping the globe, sweeping the nation. It is the number one trending show on Netflix. It has been since its arrival. As of right now, and this is as of right now, it could change. It is number nine on Netflix's most watched shows. Of all time. Wow. This one right here, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, it covers the serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. Up to this point, it's had over 196 million hours viewed. Oh my goodness. And it's been going everywhere. TikTok picks things like this up and makes a whole new life out of it. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of new Jeffrey Dahmer hashtags. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, TikToks going around of Jeffrey Dahmer kind of glamorizing this man. Uh, yes. Ryan Murphy, got to give a shout out to him. He is the creator of the show. He's been praised for shedding light on this story, mainly because he talks a lot about how the police failed the 17 victims. He talks about 
how people tried to reach out to law enforcement, but nobody listened to them. He also shines light on the racism that the cops had, the homophobia that the cops had. He did a really good job depicting that. And of course, the actors involved in this show do an amazing job depicting the characters. How about the man who plays Jeffrey Dahmer, Evan Peters? Wow. Who shares my birthday. Does he? January the 20th, 1987. Yeah. And one year later, Adam Banks came along. Well, look at there. So both legends being born on (laughs) January the 20th there. Now, this is the first thing I've ever seen Evan Peters in. Is he this good in everything he does? Yes, 1,000%. Then maybe he's one of the best actors of our time. Yes, and I'm glad people are finally seeing this. To, To play... A character like Jeff Dahmer, mm-hmm. I would love to ask him how he prepared. Oh, he's played several, you know, serial killer-esque. You know, he touched on Columbine yes. in American Horror Story. Yes. And then, you know, uh, I think H.H. Holmes and Hotel. And then now, you know, Dahmer with this. Yes. The relatives of the victims say that the show is making them relive their trauma. Mm. So as many of us are entertained by this show, we also have to remember, folks, that there are relatives of these families, of these victims that are still out there. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. This happened in the, in the seven, late 70s, 80s, and early 90s. Mm-hmm. Most victims happening in the 90s. I think in the uh, 90 to 91 time frame. So these victims are still breathing, and they're still, or I'm sorry, these victims' families are still breathing and alive. Mm-hmm. So it's been hard for them to watch it. The TikTokers, of course, are capitalizing on on the Dahmer content. Uh, One thing one user says, she says, one thing I found intriguing about him was that he was completely honest and didn't deny anything. Uh, Some creators say that uh, they're just praising uh, the acting, and they said that Evan Peters made people Empathize with Dahmer. Em- What's the word I'm looking for? Empathize. Empathize. Yeah. Empathize with Dahmer. No. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's strange that people are. Why can't I say that word? Empathize. <laughs> Empathizing. Empathizing with yeah. Dahmer. It's weird that people are empathizing with this serial killer because of how cruel and evil he was. And these women that are out here falling in love with Jeffrey Dahmer all over again, it makes no sense. You do know that Jeffrey Dahmer is gay, right? That's a fact. Jeffrey Dahmer said he was gay. An open, an openly gay man. So, women, why are you into it? He's not into you, never would be. So, the fact that these women are writing him back in the day, mm-hmm. there were women that wrote him letters in jail. Mm-hmm. Why? What do you think he's going to do? All of a sudden, just be attracted to you? No. So it it makes me wonder. You hear a lot of that happening. Mm-hmm. Serial killers going to jail and women writing them love letters. Mm-hmm. You're a woman. Mm-hmm. Why is it that mostly women are the ones that write these deranged, psychotic men in prison? Uh, you're going to have to find one of those women because I, I can't give you an explanation. Right. Because I, w- I wish there was. Uh, honestly, I don't think that there is. I mean, in all sincerity, you know, I guess the only way you can look at it is obviously they've never lost somebody they loved, you know, at the hands of another person. Because how would they ever be able to look at him in any type of, you know, sexualized way? I can't even fathom. 
Well, the show was fantastic. It was great. The acting was great. The storyline was great. But with like any true story that's played out on TV, there's always some fact and fiction. Mm -hmm. And Amber, I have a list here of what of the big moments that happened in the Dahmer series, and I'm going to tell you if it was fact or fiction, and some of these might surprise you. Okay. Now, how Jeffrey Dahmer was caught. He was caught because... Uh, Tracy Edwards. Tracy Edwards. And they depicted that right at the jump of the Dahmer series. The first episode, they showed him getting caught. Mm -hmm. That was all true. Wow. That whole entire yeah. scenario was was true. Now, Tracy Edwards, the guy who did escape Dahmer, mm-hmm. ended up having so much trauma, I think he fell into a life of crime himself. I, yeah, we failed him as a society. Let's see here. Jeffrey Dahmer wore yellow contacts in the show, uh, and he said he did that because he wanted to mimic his favorite villains, which was a villain from Star Wars Episode Six and the killer from The Exorcist Three. That's true. The Gemini killer. It's very, <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. Um, do you remember the episode where his grandma mm-hmm. uh, saves the day and saves that kid from getting killed? Yes. That actually is not how it went down per se. They're just assuming, probably I would say this is why they put it in the show, Mm -hmm. that Granny did save a few victims. But there was no fact to back that up. Yeah. So that didn't make for good TV. I'm sure there was some times that Jeffrey Dahmer couldn't murder his victims because his grandma was in the house. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sure she got in the way of it somehow. And think about that. He murdered people with his granny upstairs. With his granny upstairs. Like, just when you said that, like, he couldn't murder people because his granny was awake. Like, oh, my gosh. Yes. I go to my <laughs> granny's and watch the monsters with marshmallows. Yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer goes and <laughs> turns his victims into marshmallows. Oh, my gosh. Dean Vaughn, his neighbor that died. Do you remember mm-hmm. in the show they talked about, well, the last time we seen the neighbor alive, he was with you. Yeah. Well, in reality, there was no fact to back up that Jeffrey Dahmer killed killed his neighbor. Mm -hmm. His neighbor was strangled and murdered, but they could not connect that death back to Dahmer. Yeah. Now that's wild. Talk about a coincidence. I don't think it was. Let's see. Dahmer did, in fact, pose in yearbook photos at his high school in clubs that he was not in. (laughs) I love that. That was very true. Yeah. That's a great prank. And they really did black his face out. Serial killer or not, that was a great prank. Oh, yeah. Uh, The fact that you can go to the academic team, take Uh a picture, and wind up in the school yearbook. Oh, was it the Honor Society? And he had like a 1.2 GPA. (laughs) (laughs) And instead of cutting him out of the photo, they just took a black Uh marker, and before they printed the copies, Mm -hmm. they marked his face out. Like me in the fifth grade going through our yearbook. Glenda Cleveland who was the neighbor in the show did not actually live directly beside of Jeffrey Dahmer. She didn't even live in the building. She did not. She lived in the building next to Jeffrey Dahmer. Mm -hmm. Now she still did call the police. Mm -hmm. She still did see some things. Mm -hmm. She still even came across the little 14 year old boy that was uh, struggling trying to get help. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to help him. So all of that's true, but I think they added her as a next-door neighbor to make it more intense. Well, I think she's a combination of uh, Beverly Bass or Pamela Bass. Pamela Bass. Pamela Bass, uh, who really was a neighbor. I think it's they combined uh, Glenda and, and Beverly together. Or I'm sorry, Pamela together. You're right. Pamela Bass 
actually did live in the building. Mm-hmm. And it's there's a rumor that she actually possibly ate human feet because Jeffrey Dahmer brought her food uh-huh. of human feet. And she feet? didn't know what she was eating. No. Like feet you walk on? Absolutely. Uh. Uh, the police uh, in the show, it talks about the police carrying a 14-year-old kid, finding the 14-year-old mm-hmm. kid that escaped from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment. And when they ran into the kid, the kid was... Beaten, bloody, yeah, naked. His head had a hole in it. But, well, they weren't going to look that hard. Yeah, because there was boiling hot water poured down mm-hmm. in it, or acid. Hydrochloric acid. Poured down in it from Dahmer. And the cops took the little boy back up to Dahmer's mm-hmm. apartment and dropped him off. That, in fact, shockingly, is true. Very true. Yes. Dahmer always wore his glasses to the trial. That is not true. Dahmer did not actually wear his glasses all of the time during the trial, which they depicted that he did in the show. Speaking of his glasses, (laughs) did you know that his glasses are now up for auction? Yeah, for something insanely outrageous. Like I can't eat, like I could go buy the same ones like a I don't know what seal over at the mall and people are going to pay six figures for these things. Yes. The fact that people still want to have a piece of Jeffrey Dahmer after Ooh. having somebody that evil being alive and mm-hmm. is, is just beyond me. I don't get it. Oh. I don't get the love letters. I don't get anything about it. I just I just I just don't. Your overall thoughts of the show. Oh my gosh, I think it was absolutely the most heartbreaking thing I'd ever watched. Yeah. I think you and I can agree it took us a while to watch it. We couldn't stomach more than one at a time and I think that just kind of goes to show how great, you know, the production and, and writing was. But I mean, obviously the story's been around for, you know, since we've been alive, you know. Uh I just I'm glad that it's bringing awareness and I hope that the thing people can get out of this is uh, maybe think twice before you go home with people you don't know. And that's and, very true. I think if anything, like Amber said, let me just echo it, is that this show brought awareness mm-hmm. to people because we all have been in situations when we were younger yes. where we've done things that we shouldn't have done. Absolutely. Went home with somebody we shouldn't have went. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is just one time to meet that one psycho. Exactly. Because all of these guys who went home with Dahmer was thinking the exact same thing that we think, it ain't going to happen to me. Nope. But it did, and when it does, it's too late. Well, because, you know, look what he was doing. He was drugging. He was drugging his people. And, and there's nothing you can do when you're drugged. No. And you got to think, when shows like this get popular, there seems to be a wave of people wanting to copycat and people wanting to mimic Mm-hmm. people like Jeffrey Dahmer. So I would not be surprised if things like this start happening again because of this show. And if it does, hopefully they can't the new killer can't get as far as what Dahmer did because maybe this show will make people think twice before they go home with a completely different stranger. And you got to think about that. <gasps> Going home with a stranger in itself, the thought of that whole concept is crazy to even do. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's exhilarating if you've ever done it yes. before. But when you look at factual life and real life, you know, there are people out there like Jeffrey Dahmer. This is not something that Ryan Murphy created in his head. This was a story that created itself and he presented it to us yes but it was an amazing show and i definitely recommend it but ladies and gentlemen we are going to take off the cuffs song of the week break if this was my myspace this would be my myspace song it's talk run away to mars we'll be back mm-hmm.
gentlemen the Kentucky Wildcats is playing this Saturday against South Carolina but before we talk about the South Carolina game we got to talk about their loss to Ole Miss unfortunately Stoops Mark Stoops is now zero and three against Ole Miss unfortunately Stoops has a hard time winning against those big teams and whenever he schedules those West teams in the SEC, he does not do very well. I mean, Stoops is not only 0-3 and three against Ole Miss, he's 0-8 and eight against Georgia. He's 0-3 and three against Alabama. He's 0-2 and two against Auburn. He's 3-7 and seven against Florida and 2-7 and seven against Tennessee. Losing record in all of your major teams, it's not great. As far as the ranking goes, Kentucky fell to number 13. I think that's a very, very fair ranking to have. You got to think the Cats were climbing in the top 10 spot by beating two terrible teams, Youngstown State and Northern Illinois. They got to the highest ranking that they've been since the 70s by beating those two teams. But lo and behold, you put a competitive SEC in front of Stoops and he loses it. He started off with the ranking of number 20. Then beat Florida to get into the top 10. And then because of those wins against Northern Illinois and Youngstown State, he succeeded. And SEC play starts and then voila. But I have to give it out to a couple of people. Barry and Brown, who was absolutely an all-star during that game. You talk about a player who can get a kick return and run it completely by himself, 100 yards, and dodge every single person coming at him. That is Huge. You got Chris Rodriguez, who made his return, an absolute choo-choo train. He powered through those guys like it was nobody's business. He's exactly who you want to have the ball and who you want to have run the ball. Cavassier Smoke was somebody that people were tired of seeing. And the fact that Chris Rodriguez gets in there and plays like a running back should is is exactly what we needed. And with him back on the team just tells me that Kentucky is only going to get better because he is so good. Will Levis, I'll say this, the best quarterback Kentucky has ever had. But he is flawed, just like we all are. He did not have the best game. Did he make a mistake? You bet he did. Do I still want Will Levis as my quarterback? Yes. Is Will Levis still a great quarterback? Yes. Will Levis do better? Yes. He had a bad game. He broke his finger. Did anybody watching the game see his finger dangling from his hand? He literally broke it. Broke it to the point to where he couldn't play as good as he was at the beginning of the game. So, Will Levis, there's a chance that he might not even play this Saturday against South Carolina. And if that happens, South Carolina could pull off the upset against the Cats at home, at Kroger Field. And we'll be able to see that this Saturday at 7.30 on ESPN. And it will be 
a competitive great game. The Cats are 4 and 1, but they do play South Carolina this Saturday and it will be a good one. But ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. We still have one more segment to go. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Well, I- everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Amber is also in studio with me. Last segment of the hour. The coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn, has died at the age of 90. She was from Butcher Holler. That's where I... You know, I actually have been to Loretta Lynn's house before in Butcher Holler, right? I know. You called me from there, I believe. Yes. Butcher Holler is located Paintsville. in Paintsville. Oh, Van Leer, I guess. Technically, yeah. Van Leer, if we want to get technical about yeah. it. But Paintsville is the area of mm-hmm. where Loretta Lynn is from. Her family did make the statement that she died this past Tuesday at her home in Tennessee. Loretta Lynn, some consider her the queen of country music. Personally, I think that's Dolly Parton, but Loretta Lynn might be the princess of country music. There's not many people like her anymore. She lived in poverty most of her life, Amber, growing up in just a one-bedroom house. She's, oh, I'd say a one-room house. One, one, room, one, one room house. Excuse me, not bedroom. I know. I've been there. I've seen it. I told the story before on the show about me seeing her house. It was on Senior Skip Day. I skipped school, and me and my friends ended up going to see Loretta Lynn's home place in Butcher Holler. And her brother, of all people, her brother walked from his house, mm-hmm. which was a mobile home beside of hers, mm-hmm. and gave me the tour of mm-hmm. her house. And it was like a VIP tour. I was getting a tour of his home place as well. Exactly. He lived there, too, from her actual brother. Can you get more Eastern Kentucky than that? No. She began having kids at the age of 17, and she stayed married to the same man for her whole life. Not Tommy Lee Jones. He only played her husband in the movie. But there was a big age difference. I don't know how they got away with that, but he was over 21, and she was like 14, 15. Yeah. How does that happen? Well, look at the time, where they were. Loretta Lynn had hits like Don't Come Home Drinking with Lovin' On Your Mind and You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Mind. And she was the first female ever to hit the number one charts on the country music charts. Wow. And her biggest hit probably of all time was the song we just played, Coal Miner's Daughter. I love the movie they did about Loretta Lynn starring Sissy Spacek. I thought Sissy Spacek was Loretta Lynn for the longest time. Me too. I used to think that. (laughs) When I pictured what Loretta Lynn looked like, I pictured Sissy Spacek. Exactly. Yes. And she was born Loretta Lynn in 1932 and was raised in Butcher Holler, which is Van Leer, Kentucky. 
and she had brothers and sisters who never went on to do anything. Their baby, their sister Loretta did, but they cheered her throughout her mm-hmm. career. And she went into the Hall of Fame. She won a Lifetime Achievement Award. She's won several Grammys, and she was even awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom because Barack Obama said that Loretta Lynn gave a voice to generation to generation, singing what no one wanted to talk about and saying what no one wanted to think about. Aww. So she did. She talked about things that was controversial for women, and she sang about it. Because she said when she wrote her song, she said she only writes what she knows. Mm-hmm. So when you go back and you listen to some of her lyrics, just know that come from the mind of Loretta. Yep. That's all she knows. Lynn was uh, Loretta Lynn was hospitalized in 2017 after suffering a stroke at her home. The following year, she broke her hip, and her health forced her to quit touring. Seems like when old people break their hip, it's Mm -hmm. all downhill from there. It really is. In early 2021, at the age of 89, she recorded her 50th album, Still Woman Enough. Wow. And that is on sale as we speak. And I'm sure her music will once again go into rotation, because that's usually what happens when an artist dies. Oh, absolutely. But... God bless Loretta Lynn and her family. And thank you, Loretta, for all of those years of great country music. But ladies and gentlemen, that about wraps up this week's episode of Off the Cuff. If you like what you heard today, you'll probably like our other episodes. So subscribe to us on podcasts. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, or wherever major podcasts are downloaded. You can follow the co-host on social media at Ambu447. You can follow me, the host, on social media at The Adam Banks. You can follow the show on social media at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks. We release new episodes every Thursday from 4 to 5 right here on WLXU 93.9, which means we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Ember Turner. I'm Adam Banks, and this is Off the Cuff. We'll catch you down the road. You never